put put Saweetie in the female rap category by herself. <laughs> <laughs> she goes there. Yo, this is KTSDF Live, episode 100. We are joined uh, by Marcus Sniffles and uh, Nameless One, Rev Run. What's good, y'all? Out here, another day. Still black. Definitely. Definitely still black out here. That That is, you know, being black sometimes is kind of kind of awkward. Very awkward when, like myself, who was reported to be apparently missing last week, which was strange because everybody knew exactly where I was at, but shout out to uh, Tech Messiah. But being black, I, I, I visited, you know, I took a trip to Utah, which is strange because that's not uh, typically a place black people would probably venture to. But I was like, you know what? I've heard some some decent things or some pretty cool places out there. So I ventured out there. You know, celebrate my my wedding anniversary. You know, say a black, faithful, wholesome king, as a king should do. You know, you know, shout out to me. Can I round of applause for me? No, what do you I think I think you're you're in charge of the soundboard thing. Oh yeah, there we go. Oh, give myself a round of applause. A black king doing what he's got to do. So, anywho, um, this was like real life TV situation. Like you literally walk into any restaurant or any building and you like hear the record scratch, right? And people were like looking at you, was like, I. Right. So I know we sat down to eat somewhere, and we were sitting next to another group of people. And I saw the waiter go, you know, take our order. And then I listened to him take the other people's order. The distinct difference was when he took our order, he's like, Oh, you guys aren't from around here, are you? I'm like, How you know I'm not a native Utah, Utah, and Ute, or whatever they call the people out there? Like, how you know I'm from Salt Lake City or something like that? Like, he asked other people that. I was like, all right, man, it is what it is. But to be fair, like, the population of black people in Utah is, like, 1%. So, you know, I might have been, like, the fifth black person he's ever seen in his life. So I can't really be bad. It's just kind of kind of funny. Like, they weren't rude about it. It was just kind of like you could just see people looking like, wow, like, these are black people. You know, this is a very, very interesting. But yeah, shout out to them. Beautiful, beautiful state. If you decide to go there, um, check out a uh, Zion National Park. Pretty, pretty chillax place. So, Tell I think you can. I think you could tell that you weren't from there because you're not six six. Like if you were like six five over there in Utah, they'd be like, okay, well we know what he's about. But uh, yeah, unless you play for the Utah Jazz and you're black, that's the only reason you should be out there. Fair enough. Fair enough. But but. And actually, it's funny that you went out there. So, next season for the NBA All Star Game, it's going to be in Utah. And I tell you what, I will be surprised if the likes of like LeBron James and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, James Harden, like, why? Why would you go out there for the NBA All Star Game, All Star Weekend? Do you, do you know? Do you not know what goes on on All Star Weekend? What type of activities these young men are used to partaking in? I don't know if Utah is going to be able to uh, to withstand that and provide the outlets that these uh, these young millionaires are looking for. I mean, you were out there, so you would know. But is that a place that you would think that uh, an NBA All Star Weekend would thrive in? Take the condom off. Oh um, God! I'm not. <laughs> so 
I mean, Salt Lake City is actually eight hours away from where I or six hours away from where I was at. So, I I mean, don't they like not sell liquor like on Sundays or something? And they I, have like I, a I heard, but you know, as a, a wholesome king that's you know trying to be a fit king, I try not to partake in the uh, the, the devil's you know <laughs> elixir from time to time. But I I mean, I think it's a good place to go chill. But I don't. I don't know if it's really popping in Salt Lake City. I don't really want to find out. I do know that I did watch an episode of Drug Inc. and there's a lot of meth and like drugs being dealt there in church. Uh, so. It's Salt Lake City, Utah. It's like I mean, but that's some, I wouldn't even. That's something you wouldn't suspect though. Like, dude was like moving rocks in the church, and it's like, no, yeah, I man. definitely suspect meth in Utah, and also like hash or you know, like weird stuff. Spice. There's spice in Utah for sure. Probably flock. <laughs> Bath salts, things of that nature. Yeah, definitely some, some bath salts. Some, it's some gotta real. be Utah. Like you gotta cope with being in Utah somewhere. That's yeah, fair. Yeah, I just don't know yeah. if you can do meth and then play basketball the next day. That's gonna be tough. I, I mean, you could probably do meth before you play basketball and probably average like a quadruple, double, quadruple, triple. I don't know, something like that. But uh, speaking of real nasty work, that's my transition music for today. Uh, Adam Shepard. Adam Schefter. Let's not even start with him. R.I.P. Dwayne Haskins, right? I woke up, I think, Saturday morning and logged into Twitter and was immediately uh, depressed as I saw the untimely death of a young 24-year-old Dwayne Haskins, a backup quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, R.I.P. to him and his family. And I I didn't even, like, I kind of logged right back out because I'm like, damn, I know Twitter's about to do the whole thing where, you know, rightfully so, you know, they honor you know, people that they may be loved or maybe you're pretending to love on Twitter for retweets and likes and whatnot. But um, but the way that some of the sports media handle it, and specifically Adam Schefter, a lot of people found very distasteful um, some of the things he said and some of the things that uh, other people said. I, there was a video that went out for another gentleman, a Gil Brandt or some shit like that, I didn't listen to it. I heard it was real nasty work, um, and I didn't bother to delve into that. But there was people talking super bracy about this dude when he passed. Like, it's it's the thing where, and this is kind of a different situation because he, he's never really done anything egregious except not live up to the expectations of him being a football player, right? This is not the same thing where, like, a – I don't know, a politician dies, and then we rush Limbaugh. This isn't a rush Limbaugh situation where there's clearly a lot of wild things to say about this person uh, immediately after them passing away, because he's a terrible human being. But the, the things that Adam Schefter said were, were kind of, it's like, bro, come on, dog. Like, what was the reason? Like, what was it necessary to say those things about this man? And, and, what, and what is the rush to put that out there? You know what I'm saying? That, that's another thing that kind of bothers me, too, so. The tweet that Adam Schefter put out initially before he got packed up was Dwayne Haskins, a standout at Ohio State before struggling to catch on with Washington and Pittsburgh in the NFL, died this morning when he got hit by a car in South Florida per his agent, Cedric Saunders. Haskins would have turned 25 years old May 3rd. And, you know, it was true what he said, right? He did struggle to catch on in Washington and Pittsburgh. However, 
like what did it hurt to leave that sentence out of there? Right. Is, is that the important thing right now that he didn't, you know, catch on the two NFL teams? Mind you, this kid actually made it to the NFL. You know what I'm saying? But we're going to just knock him down because he didn't perform to our expectations or whoever's expectations were put out there. And yeah, a lot of people had a lot of things to say to Mr. Schefter. Yeah, I had to, I had to pretty much move on from, uh, like I didn't follow Adam Schefter, but like, if he tweets something, it's going to end up on your timeline regardless. If you follow anybody that's a football fan, because so many people follow and retweet him. But just seeing that, it was just like it was it was tasteless. Like there was no reason to put that in there. You know, I I, I don't know if if Dwayne had any kids, but it's just like usually when someone of celebrity or, or of note passes, it's like, you know, you say their, their name, age, what they did who they're survived by, like, and that's it, especially from someone like Adam Schefter, where you're just, you're the news person. We're not asking for your opinion here. Give us the news, tell us what happened, and that's it. We don't need all this extra stuff. And you could tell that it was, he was out of line, but by the reaction, like, I saw a lot of reaction from a lot of big name players, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm making it a race thing, but I saw a large, uh, a large, a lot of black athletes saying something. Like I saw a lot of them speaking up on on what was saying about what Adam Schefter tweeted, and he he said it and then just deleted it. It wasn't like he apologized for it or did anything with that. He just deleted it, re-edited it, and then sent out another tweet as if it didn't matter, as if it was just some other transaction. It's just like you guys, they, they really don't care about these people. Like they're just just numbers on they're just transactional things and i i appreciated the likes of uh of like lamar jackson speaking up on that like yes we, we he said we, he added adam Schefter said you lame as fuck around all around grown-ass man can look yourself in the mirror and smile at yourself well he he typed that out very bad but i get the sentiment of what he was saying yeah yeah but i mean yeah. He, look, lamar be out here like that but it's just, it's like we this should be a bigger deal. I think the reaction that the athletes have had towards Adam Schefter, because like it or not, Lamar Jackson is like going to be one of the faces of the league. Like he's under 25 or something like that. He's won an MVP. He's consistently in the playoffs. Like he's a, he's a superstar. So and he plays quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like if Joe Burrow would have tweeted out this thing, like maybe it would have got more traction, but it's just like, I, I don't watch ESPN as much as I used to, so I don't know if it's like did Adam come out and apologize? Like did and there was a lot of people that were saying, like, hey, the way it's been reported is kind of tasteless. And it's just like, are you guys gonna at him? Like there's a there's people that work for ESPN that are saying, Hey, you know, that was, you know, whatever was tasteless. And it's like, yeah, you could just say that out in the open, but like put his name on it. Like Adam Schefter said this. He needs to apologize for this. He needs to be held accountable for this. You know, and this isn't his first time doing something this dumb. This is, it's it's embarrassing. You're supposed to be a professional, like. So here's the 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 second tweet he sent after he got packed up. Dwayne Haskins, a standout Ohio State, before becoming Washington's first round pick and playing in Pittsburgh, died this morning when he got hit by a car in South Florida. Per his agent, Secretary Saunders, Haskins would have turned 25 years old on May 3rd. So, one thing, and this is kind of the conspiracy theorist in my head. Like, is Adam Schefter even really running his Twitter page, right? 
because I know a lot of like big name people have like assistants and handlers and stuff like that. But I feel I feel he has to be if people are trusting him with this type of sensitive information. Like I honestly wouldn't trust, you know, big time tweets like that to an intern or an assistant. So if that's the case, like, dog, why are you? I, it just doesn't make sense to be that that crass, that cold, that callous. You know what I'm saying? Like, this man was a whole human being. He he wasn't his he, he, a black man, an athlete. You know, let me open my third eye. Shouldn't be encompassed in his performance in the game for the slave master. You know what I'm saying? Like, it. Who? Why did you? What was the reason? I need to put that drop in there. What was the reason? It, that was unnecessary. You didn't have to say that. Didn't have to say that. Well, since you say that, they say that stuff because they can, they can. Yeah. Like he, who 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 could he have? There's not a white quarterback that he could have put that out there about. Like, no matter how talented or you know untalented the quarterback is, like, I'm I'm not gonna try. I'm not gonna put a name on anything. But if any other random white quarterback were to pass away like that, he's not saying those types of things. He's not saying, oh, this quarterback had a hard had a hard time getting on a, getting a job and struggled with his accuracy well, and had passed away. It's like, what? Well, you say that, and the first thing I thought about is, like, I, I'm trying to find what was said. And I'm about to probably look this up later, but I'm curious the tweet that uh, Mr. Schefter put out when uh, Big Rape retired. They put, you know, yeah, the, uh, Big Ben retires from football, accused of rape multiple times. Did he put that in the, in his tweet for, for Ben Roethlisberger? I'm pretty sure he didn't. But that's essentially the same thing you just did. You, you pretty much pointed out this man's lowest moments. I mean, the second lowest moments, considering he died. But you, you, you made the choice to use your thumbs to type that. Keep that same energy with them other players, with them white quarterbacks, with any other players. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, man. Stop it. But you know what? They'll have him out there doing the gritty again on Monday Night Football, and all will be forgiven. <laughs> Invited right back to the cookout. Fuck Adam Schefter. Yeah, he's 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 in that same uh, class with me as uh, Michael Wilbon is right now. Like when uh, Sean Taylor passed away, like I guess it might have been over ten years ago now. Mike Wilbon implied that Sean Taylor had that thing, had it coming to him because he's a quote unquote thug and he lives in Miami and all these other things. And it's just like, first off, none of that was true. It was just a, it was a home invasion, and Sean Taylor was protecting his family, and he got shot. And it's just like for Mike Wilbon to get on TV and say that was just like I I stopped. I couldn't even like I'm a fan of the Hurricanes and Sean Taylor played for that team. It's just like for you for people on the in the media to go out there and talk talk about these players like this, or talk about anybody, talk about um athletes or artists or musicians, actors and or any of these things and just talk down on them like that after like as soon as they pass, it's just like, what are we doing right now? Like Come on. Like, that's, to, what happens, to, that's what happens when you don't see, like when people, you see people as their job and not as like the human performing the job. Like you, they think that they can talk about athletes or any entertainers in general this way because they are the product. They don't see these people as like, once they take off the helmet and leave the stadium and leave the practice facility, people with like relationships that see the words that come out about them on Twitter and on these talking head shows. Um, so people like Adam Schefter, um, they, I don't think that sometimes they stop and think like, Oh, a person died at early Saturday morning. Um, not a player, not, you know, backup quarterback for the Steelers. 
I honestly wouldn't have been surprised if like Adam Schefter was like, and these are the cap ramifications for Dwayne Haskins. Like this is yeah. what they just the the Steelers freed up five million dollars in cap space and can now you know are are the Steelers gonna look to draft another quarterback? Like what what we're just gonna pretend like this person's not dead right now? Like his family is probably seeing friends and family people that know him, and we're just just treating him like X's and O's. Like this, it's just another transaction that happens. Yeah, and you know what? Digging deeper into my conspiracy theory bag, I know Adam Schefter is, a, I believe, a Michigan alumni. Like, maybe that was some deep-seated, like, rivalry hate, but that's not the time for that. It can't yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, that's that, that would be insane I hope not. if that was the case. I but, I mean, regardless, I, I hope people don't forget this. I hope, I hope he is held accountable. I know, like, Marcus Spears was coming on Twitter talking about like oh you know oh you guys are perfect in y'all's life and he apologized and people he were didn't. quick to remind him was like yo he didn't apologize he just deleted the tweet and retweeted it and I, I don't understand why these people feel they need to run to another grown man's defense for the mistakes that he made so the tweet is somebody tweeted him uh are you gonna act like we didn't see this when you deleted it and Mark Spears tried to dunk on this person saying he corrected a fan we all we all ain't perfect like you and he proceeded to get packed up so because yeah. like Just you don't have to be perfect to not talk like that about a deceased person. Like that's not perfection. That's just like being a human that cares about others. But I'm just saying, like, why are you why are you putting on your cape for this for this man, this white man? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get it, man. Like, hey, <laughs> what she says, stand up. Stand, right. stand up. I'll be weak in the knees. Stand up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like, oh, my God. Like, what, what are we doing? But, anywho, RIP to that man. I hope they continue to pack up Adam Schefter. He's trash. ESPN's trash for having him there. And, you know, hopefully he falls back a little bit. But moving on, somebody sent a topic. There uh, we go. Uh, it's a decent sound. Somebody put a topic in the, the chat that I don't know where it originated from, but I'm I'm willing to go down this rabbit hole. I think it is a very interesting question. Um, apparently, somebody was hungry when they thought about this, but to you guys listening out there on Twitter, Instagram, probably not on Twitter because we really don't do stuff there as far as audio, but maybe Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, all those great places to get this free podcast from. What food establishment... Would you get tattooed on your body to secure free food for life? I don't know who came up with this. It wasn't me, you know, saying I'm trying to be a little bit more healthy. I'm going to assume it's tech because there isn't a shit <laughs> where she ate endless fries at Ruby Tuesdays. Um, but that's another story for another day. Boy, I got my it's Krispy Kreme. Oh, wow. That was quick. <laughs> that was quick. It's Krispy Kreme. <laughs> okay. So, Let's see. What, what, what would be the parameters like? The the tattoo. Okay, how about this? The tattoo hat. What if the tattoo is the size of a Krispy Kreme donut? Like, what if you had to get the logos hatted on you? Like the size of. Uh, okay. Shit. You said what? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is that is. I'm so I get the, the, the thing is on my back. <laughs> All right. I, you know, I'm not going to lie, and this might be blasphemy, but I've never been a real big Krispy Kreme fan. Like, it's just not. You mean Dunkin' Donuts? 
So I, I actually hate Dunkin' Donuts. Um, okay. From my travels in New Jersey, it was very strange. Like, Dunkin' Donuts were like the, uh, the, the equivalent to Waffle Houses in the South. Mm. Like, you would pass like four Dunkin' Donuts in one mile. Like, it didn't make any sense. I'm like, this, this shit is ass. Like, it's not good. Their coffee's terrible. Their donuts aren't great. They're kind of stale-ish. They got this breakfast sandwich that tastes like jalapeno cigarette butts. <laughs> it's awful. It's one of the worst things I've ever yeah. If you're if you're eating sandwiches from Dunkin' Donuts, like you, I was you, desperate. Never again. <laughs> that's. I, I just see how they look, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. But see, the thing is with your choice, like I don't really know what the menu is at Krispy Kreme, so like, mm, maybe is, it's is just it... donuts. Honestly, that's a good point. Ooh, well, they got donut well, holes. I bang with donut holes. Donut holes are not bad. Marcus, what what would your choice be? Uh, probably just the local sushi restaurant that I go to pretty much once a week. I would definitely get their uh, logo tatted on me. Do they have a logo? That's uh, I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, it's not like a McDonald's logo. Like, how it's like, it's not something recognizable. It's just the name of the restaurant. Panera? University Hospital tattooed on you. It's the same that's, thing. That's nasty. Work, Ain't no bro. fucking way he getting Panera bread tatted on him so he can eat. Pan- Who wants to eat Panera bread for life anyway? That like that's the main thing. Like that's yeah, the food man. is so bland. <laughs> like out of all the food choices you had, it's just food. Like it's nothing special. <laughs> Yeah, my, my wife likes Panera bread and I don't understand it. it. It never makes any sense to me that like it's not it's not that good. It's not it's not that good. So definitely not, definitely yeah. not worth getting a tattoo of it and needing it for life. Ah, I mean see for me, I'd have to go with the variety pick, right? And I'm assuming we're not picking like high end places. So I'm assuming we're we're staying like you know, fast food adjacent restaurants because, like, I could just say some crazy fancy place, which I can't name off the top of my head because I'm poor and I don't eat at those places. But I think the safe economical bet would be the Waffle House, right? Oh, yeah, because I you, would do that too. Yeah, because you get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, you have variety. That's why the, the whole Dunkin' Donuts thing threw me off because it's like, yo, do you even have access to Dunkin' Donuts 24 hours a day? Like, what if you're, you know, about to die and you're like, damn, all I need is one donut to save my life? And they closed three hours ago. Also, right? Waffle House is a beacon of light. During natural disaster, if a Waffle House is closed, that's how you know that something bad has happened. Like, yeah. Waffle House is the barometer around the country. Yeah, I don't know if I saw like a, a Twitter video or something like that. But they'll bring out like a mobile Waffle House. They'll bring out generators yes. and all kinds of wild shit. So that's when I'm like, hey, you know, I'm, I always got a place to eat 24-7, 365. Waffle House is for the people. It smells like mop water so bad, though. Like I, I uh, you can't sit by the sink. That's my issue. Like as long as I don't sit near the sink or by the bathroom, then I'm good. But yeah, other than like, that, the food is excellent. Like I can't, I can't deny it. it's undeniable. I just, I just hate that people always treat it as like, oh, this is a place that you go to after you're drunk. And I'm just like, yeah, no, I go there for breakfast, like a regular person. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just one of those narratives that have been perpetuated by. You know, people from up north, and I don't know. I just think people take something wrong with it. Like, 
I'd get Crackle Barrel, Cracker Barrel tattooed on me, but it has to be in a hidden place. Ooh. That's nasty work. That's nasty work. Yeah, but the French toast bang every time. So that actually that actually uh, brought back brought us back to the very first topic. Uh, yeah, I went to a Cracker Barrel in Utah. Boy, oh, yeah. oh boy, definitely that, it was, <laughs> that was uh, that was an experience. That that definitely they that yeah. It was all that. You in the colors only section. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a picture of like one black person on the wall, but they were probably like a slave or something like that. But there was a black server, so that was that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Did also, you flash a camera in their face to make sure they were okay. I might have pointed. I might have spoke very loud, like "Oh shit, there's another one of us here." So, <laughs> but uh, for y'all that don't know, Waffle House does sell their mix on the internet, so you can purchase this. <laughs> For home for home use, um, it's pretty tasty. It's a three pound bag. I like four of these in my my pantry. So we out here, gang gang. How many? Don't worry about that. <laughs> none, of, none of your business. None of your business. Um, but yeah, yeah. That I guess that's that's interesting. Moving on. Are we rocking with that noise? Is is that no? Uh, you add the um. The Juicy J, yeah, hope like put that over. Ah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta send it. I'll put it on there next time. Um, damn, I didn't think about that one. Uh, I, I do have uh, got this drop. Take the condom off. There okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Me after mimosas. Just hey. <laughs> Feels better without it. What are you talking about? <laughs> 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 definitely, that was preloaded, but that sounds like James Brown. That, I think uh, that sounds like James Brown. Anyway, shout out to Best Seven Six uh, Quest. There's again, there's the percentage of Black people in Utah is one. So, so again, like, and I, I know we're doubling back before we, we transition, but like, normally as a Black person for our, our non melanated Kings listening to the podcast, we do welcome our our. Uh, Caucasian brothers and sisters to to learn about the lived black experiences of us guys and, and know the struggle. So typically, I, I know Rev, you know, being from Augusta, there's been plenty of times that you've possibly, probably, or even in your your, your work life, been like one of the few black people or black women in the space. So that that's that's usually yeah. typically not. I went to public school, so yeah. <laughs> it's typically not like an awkward situation. But one percent is different. Right, like that's really different, dog. Like that's like nobody, dog. Like that's nobody there. Especially right? considering how large Utah is, like it's not yeah. a small state. Yeah, and so like I live in Nevada, right? And the the population of percentage wise of Black people is like twelve percent. That's not counting like others, like Hispanics. You could immediately tell. Like I I drove back and went to the grocery store. All I saw was color people. And I'm like, yo, this is only 12%. <laughs> like, this is only 12%. That's insane. And now I'm trying to wonder, like, what state has the highest population of black people? I think it's Mississippi. But I don't want to go to Mississippi. So, uh, yeah, shout out to them. But anywho, the Grammys. I would like to first and foremost say, fuck the Grammys. I've said this. I've been consistent with this message. The Grammys are trash. People are trash for supporting the Grammys. We need to find a way to uplift our own artists, give our own artists their own shine. We need to create 
you know, infrastructures where we can give our artists clout and our, our people clout from some sort of award where they don't have to go compete with people that I've never heard of winning album of the year and things of that nature. Didn't watch it. I'll probably never watch it. Snoop Dogg doesn't have a Grammy. So um, that's, that tells me all that I need to know. Macklemore won a Grammy over Good Kid, Mad City. That tells me everything I need to know. It's a scam. Hashtag scammies. How'd you guys like it? I didn't even watch, honestly. Like you saying, the Grammys made me forget that it came on. I watched the first 20 minutes and I saw Doja Cat run back from the bathroom to accept her Grammys, her Grammy. Um, that's about as much of the show as I saw. Yeah, I didn't watch it either. Um, but I do try to follow along as far as like who wins. Um, wins the Grammys because I know people don't respect the Grammys and think we, you know, put too much on them, but those those things do matter. I think they matter more than um, out of, I think out of all the major awards, like for the arts, I think the Grammys are the ones that matter the most. And I mean, it does get you a different, it puts you in a different level, puts you on a different pay scale, get you in a different rooms and all that stuff. And I, I do understand that, like, as far as the voting goes, like, you know, sometimes they don't have their finger on the pulse of things. But uh, it, it was cool to see, uh, like I said, I've been, I was saying it all last year. I was kind of propping up, like, Silk Sonic being, like, that's that album. Like, they're, oh, gosh. They're, Silk Sonic is, like, that album that they dropped was going to sweep everything. And that's, that's exactly what they did. And it was good to see that. Uh, it was also nice to see um, Jasmine Sullivan win a, win a uh, Grammy for her uh, Hotels album, which was a fantastic album. It definitely deserved that. But it's one of those things where you just look around and just like, how does... How how does she just how is she just now getting a Grammy? You know what I'm saying? And you know, Jasmine Sullivan's kind of a she's it's a, fixed. It's not fixed. I don't saying, know if it's, like, I don't know if it's fixed. It I is. think I think it's just people like not being well educated. And there was one there was one thing that I saw that I, I watched the interview um that Fabio Foreign did with Hot 97. If you're if you win a Grammy, you're on the voting committee. Like you're you're you have to fill out some sort of paperwork and you're able to vote on the upcoming Grammy. So it's just like, I wonder if these, I wonder if people know that, like all the rappers and R&B singers and black artists like that have won Grammy. It's like, not even if you, like, it doesn't even have to be like your Grammy. Like if you're say, um, like SZA, SZA was on Doja Cat's album and Doja Cat won a Grammy for her song that SZA was on. SZA gets a Grammy, like she gets a certificate or something like that. Uh, five-year foreign when Donda won a Grammy he doesn't get a Grammy he gets a certificate but he's still eligible to vote like all you have to do is like fill out the paperwork and you're good to vote for all these categories so it's like I wonder if all these people are doing that like are are they making their voice heard are they or are they just complaining about like all oh, the Grammys whatever whatever but I didn't vote you know what I'm saying so I, I I'd, I'd honestly I'd be curious and I'd, I'd like the Grammys to start doing a thing where it's just like kind of like the NBA MVP that is, I think it is, is where they show like, who did you vote for? Who came in second place? Where did these votes go? Who's voting? Like, I think they should make it way more transparent. So there's not a thing where people think it is fixed. Well, this kind of goes back to the conversation. Shout out to King Quest in the chat. <clears throat> I mean, and that's our fault for us not supporting the BET Awards, man. We were always seeking that white validation. 
or whatever. But <clears throat> to your point with the Grammys, though, it, it goes back to the whole thing about what you taught. Like, there's only so many black people that are winning, right? So even though we have the ability to cast our votes, percentage-wise, that's that's cool. We might think that, you know, XYZ is the best rap album, but if the other thousand white artists who don't know anything about hip-hop choose to vote for whoever, like, it, it, it makes you even more frustrated that you have that power and it's just, you know, being pushed to the side just from a sheer numbers game. I mean, it's... I mean, I, I get the whole, like, looking for white validation thing, but, I mean, we weren't we weren't crying about white validation when Michael Jackson went on the Grammys or when Kendrick went Grammys, when Jay-Z or Kanye went. Like, we can say all these things, but these artists care about this stuff. They care about winning a Grammy. They want to win. Like, I was, I was asking, like, you know, uh, I think I was saying, uh, I think J. Cole and, like, Lil Baby had the same amount of Grammys, right, which is one. And someone was, you know, being like, oh, well, J. Cole was too busy, you know, uh, hosting his own festival in his home city. He doesn't care about the Grammys. I'm just like, you don't think for a second that while he is hosting, doing his own show, that in the back of his mind, there's not a small part of J. Cole that's thinking, because he was nominated for, I think, two Grammys. You don't think there was any part of his mind. I was like, man, I I hope I win one. Maybe I might win one this year. Like people think that they just people think these artists don't care. Like Kanye West probably doesn't care, but he has like twenty of them. You know, artists that have more. Like The Weekend, I think he had a thing where he was like, "Oh, I don't care about Grammys," but it's like you have a bunch. So why? Of course you don't care. But someone that doesn't like, you would keep bringing up like the Snoop Dogs and the Nicki Minaj's and the you know, Biggies and all these other artists that don't have one. If you ask them, like, "Hey, would you like to be a Grammy?" award-winning artist would you like to be able to have that in front of your name they're all gonna say yes because it means something still whether we think it should or whether we think it should or not it does mean something i've always felt like they say oh i don't care about grammys just like as a defense mechanism to shield them when they don't win because if you say like oh i don't care and then you don't win anyway it's like well i said i didn't care um everybody likes to win awards to the degree of like how you like to win them is different but I don't, I'll just say this. I don't think you're going to give the Grammy back if they award it to you. Nope. Like, if you really didn't care about the Grammys, then I don't know if you care so much if you got one. Like, it's going to be on display at your mama's house. Yeah, like, you'd be ecstatic if you won a Grammy. You'd have a speech and everything. Uh, I mean, to the BT Awards point uh, by Quest in the chat, I always have wondered why we, as a community... Um, don't like collectively hold the BT Awards in high regard. Um, maybe it's because it's so new, like it just started 20 years ago. Um, I don't know, maybe I don't know why we don't hold it. A lot of people don't watch BT, I don't know what it is. Um, but I do wish that like the cultural award shows that we already have the NAACP Image Awards, the BT Awards, so on and so forth. Like, I wish those did have a little bit more like um, esteem from the community at large. I don't think it's the award shows that don't feel esteemed. I just think it's the perception by the rest of us. I think it has a lot to do with what you're saying. Like those, those awards aren't as old as the Grammys. Like yeah. the Grammys have been going on for way longer. So I think maybe 10, well, hopefully that time, like it sped up with social media and stuff, but like maybe within 10, 15 years, you know, winning a BT award, like will mean a lot more than what it does now. Cause it's always, you know, 
so-and-so couldn't be here tonight to accept their award. So-and-so couldn't be here tonight to accept their award. The biggest artist was able, unable to show up to perform and all this stuff. And even with even with the Grammys, even on Twitter, especially rap Twitter, it's just like Grammys don't Grammys never seem to matter when you're trying to boost your argument for an artist who doesn't have them. You know what I'm saying? So when it's like when you're going having that debate about like J. Cole and Kendrick, who's where, who's where? And it's, and you and someone will be like, Well, Kendrick has all these Grammys and J. Cole fans are just like, Well, Grammys don't matter. It's like if J. Cole had a couple Grammys, you would bring that up in your argument to boost your argument. But because he doesn't have any, now they don't matter. And and that's just a thing that people do like as far as in conversation and debates, like we can say they don't matter, but when we're talking like historically and all these things and having back and forth about it, if you're I don't I don't want to say it's like a like a Hail Mary, but that is something that you can use to like, hey, I could use this to be like, hey, this is a better artist. I can use that, that as a to bolster my argument. That's like winning an MVP or a scoring title or anything like that. It's just something that you can just add to their add to the add to their uh collection or add to their resume. It's a resume booster. I mean what? not a not a pure apples to apples comparison because like the Grammys are subjective. No, no, I'm talking about like a scoring title. Like, hey, I scored all these points. You can't well, MVP is there's subjective. nobody to get there's no like baseline for like because MV- people have a different definition of MVP. Like it's like, is it the best player in the league? Is it the best yeah, player on right. the best team? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, so the MVP is subjective. It's, it's a quarterback's award, but I mean, even with winning yeah. Grammy, if you're you're the best rapper, it, they show you they don't give a fuck because they don't even show it on TV. Right? I didn't. I didn't like that. They they didn't. Yeah, apparently they didn't Tyler, Tyler Creator, he won the uh, Grammy for the best rap album, um, and they. I, they presented or announced it like before the show started. Mind you, he wasn't there anyways, but if he was, I'm like, well, fam, why did I waste my time coming here if I'm not going to have the opportunity to do what everybody else does? Be shown giving my Grammy speech on television, right? They do a lot of the more, I don't want to call them ethnic categories, but where you're going to see the most Black people not nominated, those are usually the awards that they uh, announce the show. Um, like reggae album, uh, was pre-show. It went to them white people, but like no, yeah. like Spice was in that category. Don't be, don't be ridiculous here. <laughs> um, so yeah, those type type of awards. I think people also hold the Grammys in such high esteem because like it's a showcase of like all music. So it's not just like R and B and hip hop and a little bit of soul. Like I guess people feel a little better when. You know, you won best album over like Beck and Billie Eilish and uh, Cole. Like, it's a bunch of albums in that aren't the same. Um, so, winning over there is like, I, I really like beat out the competition. I don't know if they feel like that doesn't work at a BET Awards or BET Hip Hop Awards, uh, but winning is winning to me. So, well, the only pushback I'll give to that is that them like just. And I'm sure you do. For you guys out there listening, like, pay attention to TV commercials. Pay attention to a lot of advertisements. <clears throat> Pretty much advertisements. YouTube. What what kind of background tracks are they using? Right? They're using hip hop. Yeah. Like yeah. they're using hip hop adjacent sounds, rhymes, things of that nature. Like we keep hip hop keeps this country moving. Like really ruining it back to black people. And they use it until you know until they try to rebrand as their own, right? 
And that's what some of the people were mad about the whole reggae thing. It's like, hey, man, like, how does a group not saying they might be fire? I don't know. But the, the idea that a, a white group can win the best reggae award is, is kind of troubling, right? Um, and, and that's where I, I'm kind of saying where the disrespect comes like, yo, hip hop kind of moves the needle for everything. But when it's time to recognize the community for that, nothing. You guys get shown before. We're going to act like this isn't important. Mind you, we're going to go home and hire somebody from the community to, to make our advertisements and things of that nature. Use our lingo, use our vernacular, all that stuff to sell your products. But we're not going to give them the spotlight that they have earned and deserved. So that's that's the part that kind of irks me. Just every commercial I see, man, you hear some 808, some snare drums. You know what I'm saying? I was like, all right, man. But 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 let me walk past your car in the grocery store, locking your doors. You know what I'm saying? Like, stop it. Yeah, I mean, I think they're. I think the Grammys are getting better. I think it's going to be a while before it gets to a place where we feel that it's where it should be, and um, hip hop is respected the way it should. Because, like you said, it's the most it's the most popular genre out right now. Like it, it influences everything and everyone. So. It should be true. It, there's no there's there's no circumstances where best rap album or best rap song should not be a televised award. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, and again, I I don't care because I don't watch that shit. But good for them. God bless. Um, whatever. Anywho, I know you you briefly kind of touched on this. Uh, Dreamville versus TDE. Um. I have no takes on this, but <laughs> I generally I generally don't trust any art. I, I don't trust any labels. Like it's not common where a big act can actually bring his team along or actually do anything with them. You can look at like Rockefeller, you can look at the good musics. They have their onesies and twosies, but it's like, yo, how how are you these guys? And and you can't put your, your man's or your women's on. Like I don't I don't get it, but um, I guess if I had to pick a crew, I'm probably gonna go with TDE off the strength of Kendrick Lamar and uh, Grammy Award winner Baby Keem. Mm, he's not on TDE. Kendrick though. Right. He about to <laughs> Never mind. He doesn't count. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm gonna sound super biased, but I promise there's no bias here. I'm gonna choose Dreamville for the sheer fact that like you're gonna get way more content from them over a period of time. If you give both of these labels two years. You're going to get a J.I.D. album, a Lute album, an Omen, a Omen EP, something from Ari Lennox. Like you're going to get something from Dreamville before you get a SZA album. And we know that because we don't have a SZA album. <laughs> yeah, this that this was kind of why I kind of was thinking about this. Because I've been, I've been seeing all the things, that, especially J. Cole. J. Cole's been super active as far as uh, features, um, putting out albums and stuff like that. He's been putting out stuff pretty regularly, uh, Earth Gang. Has put out a few albums the last few years. I still think, I still think they have the best album of of twenty twenty two. But I was listening to the to the mixtape that they put out, the Dreamville Gangster Reels album, and I was just like, I, and maybe I I got this from a tweet that someone sent out, but they they said that Dreamville is doing everything we want TDE to do, and how I how I take it is is we're just getting everything that we want TDE to do from a lesser group of artists. Like, I'm not saying that Dreamville has bad artists, but like, I like J. Cole. I love J. Cole. I'm a big fan of J. Cole, but Kendrick is a better artist. Like SZA, Ari Lennox, you can go either way, but like Bass, um, 
compared to like Schoolboy Q or J Rock. You know, like JID is really nice, but I mean, even JID is not as active as I feel like he should be. You know, but it, I, I just think that we're just getting a lot of we're getting a lot of content from Dreamville that isn't high end, top tier level stuff outside of what Earth Gang did this last album, and it's just like. We always had this debate on like, oh, J. Cole, Kendrick, whatever. And, you know, I kind of go back and forth with Ocho about this, where he's like, you can't be considered one of the greats if you if you take this long of a break. And it's like, all right, Kendrick is taking a very long time off. SZA is taking a very long time off. J-Rock is kind of getting to that point where it's like, you're losing that momentum from what you built off of Redemption. Uh, Schoolboy Q has kind of had some off time. And all these other Dreamville artists are doing their thing and they're like making noise and putting out music. But if Kendrick Lamar comes out with an album this year that is on par with Damn and To Pimper Butterfly and Good Kid Mad City, we're going to forget about all the stuff that J. Cole did. If J-Rod comes out with another album that's just as good as Redemption, we're going to forget about some of the stuff that Dreamville is doing. We're going to remember like, hey, this is what the top tier artists do. And maybe, maybe they need all this time. Maybe they need five, six years to put something out that's going to be timeless and great. But, but it is it is frustrating as a fan. It, and I'm not trying to, like, do the whole, like, you got to pit one against the other. Like, I'm a fan of both of them. Like, I'm listening to Dreamville. I'm listening to TDE. I listen to Cole, Kendrick, all, I listen to all of them. But if we're doing this whole, like, competition, you got to pick one or the other. They're Like, Dreamville is doing everything that I wish TDE would do. Like, if you tell me, like, the Black Hippie crew was going to drop an EP or an album – that's going to be better than anything Dreamville as a collective could do. Cause those artists are just better. They're better rappers. They're better song makers. Like, and that's no disrespect to Dreamville. Like they're great in their own right, but we're not going to act like Kendrick, Absol, Schoolboy Q and J-Rock as a group wouldn't destroy whatever Dreamville has in their, in their back pocket. Like that's my opinion. Fair, fair enough. Uh, so moving through the, the music topics we kind of had, and I think it's interesting. I'd love to get Rev's take on this um, with regards to uh, women rappers, right? I know there was a whole thing about Doja Cat being uh, considered a rapper on Twitter. You know, Twitter is doing their Twitter thing. I have my two cents. Go check out, I think, the last episode or the episode before that where we talked about it. Um, but do you think it's disrespectful to categorize women as a female rapper or just a rapper and the equivocation that was given is that female rapper equals black quarterback kind of the the stereotypes and maybe the tropes that come with that um i'd like to get your 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 thoughts rev i mean i do see people use it as a way to discount women rappers like you know if they they won't put oh I'm not gonna put Cardi in the same conversation as insert male rapper for you know purely misogynistic reasons I just feel like if we don't classify <laughs> if we don't classify you know Cole and Drake as male rappers why do we have to put the female in front of Megan like we we can see um, I do think that it's beneficial in terms of like categorizing for awards. Um, but in just like everyday conversation, you know, I'm not referring to Megan and, and the likes, you know, Montaleo, I hope I'm saying her name right. I really love her music. Um, 
I don't really say like, oh, they're my favorite female rappers. Like they just go on my list of favorite rappers right now. Doja just goes on my list of favorite rappers. Um, I, I, I only take issue with it when it's used to disparage those women. Um, some people just say it as a means of classifying, but as soon as it becomes a means of being like, oh, here's why they're lesser, that's when it starts to get annoying. So real quick for Marcus, was, I, I wasn't raising my hand in a misogynistic way. I, I just don't. I you just don't like Cardi. It was, look, Cardi B, we all know if you're a long time listener to the podcast, I, I am the biggest Cardi B stand out here. Hashtag Barty gang. You know what I mean, like I'm I'm all about, you know, my my, my black queen, uh, Barty B, you know. Some things I'm a little cocky on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. I did not know what was going on just then. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like Barty gang, you know what I'm saying? We out here, but yeah. So actually, go ahead, Marcus. Uh, Yeah, I do think it's kind of uh, used to diminish their skill level. You know, it's just like, oh, you're a good rapper for someone with a vagina. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just. Nicki Minaj is a great rapper. Megan Thee Stallion is a great rapper. Like, we don't have to keep doing this whole, you know, well, for a woman, you can rap okay. You know, it's like, why why are we, why why even do that at, at this point? Especially, I, I kind of, well, it doesn't make sense to do that anymore because there's a lot of women that are rapping, that are rapping at a high level to where it's like, are we, is it disrespectful to be like, like, there's a lot of women that are rapping better than some of the men rappers, men rappers out here. So why not put them in that same category as the Bennies and the Conways and the Coles and Kendricks and all that stuff? Like these are, there are great rappers out there, women and men. Like it's not like before where women couldn't really get in there and showcase their talent. Now, now, you know, like back, back when we were coming up, women rappers needed that male cosign. Like Lil' Kim needed Biggie to get on. Nikki needed Wayne. Eve needed Rough Riders. Like there was never like uh Shauna needed Ludacris. There was a moment in time where like if you were a female rapper, you needed a male cosign to get on, to get an opportunity and to get a chance. Now it's like you don't need that. Like if you're a Megan Stallion, you can just like get on YouTube, get on SoundCloud, do all these things. There's no there's no like male rapper hovering over her career that's like, hey, I'm telling you guys that she's hot. Like maybe as she's coming up, you know, someone will hear her sound and be like, hey, you should check her out. But there's no like, hey, I'm Little Wayne. This is Nicki Minaj. You should listen to her. There isn't that anymore. So there's no reason to just like separate them and put them in a lower class than, you know, what they are. Like they're equals. Let's Let's treat them like equals. That's a new. Let's try that concept. Let's try to treat women as equals when it comes to art and music. So, a, a real quick uh, correction. Uh, so, there's a, a really good documentary on Netflix called "The Principles of Pleasure." Uh, the the correct anatomical term is the vulva. Okay. <laughs> just, we're just trying to educate the people out here. You know, you know better, you do better. So just, you know, check it out. It's very good. The Principles of Pleasure on Netflix. Definitely check it out. Um, but yeah, it is weird, though, with, with women rappers. Um, it's funny, like, I tweeted out a while ago, you can check my tweets, that I said Flo Millie is a better rapper than one or more of the Migos, right? <laughs> and and I, I, I try to get out that habit where I, I separate women rappers. Like, even when I tell my, my friends and my homies about, like, hey, man, check out this this artist, 
you know, I'll mention women rappers. I'll try to put them on game. And they're just like so opposed to the idea of listening to a woman rapper or maybe the idea that they could be good. But again, it's, you know, rooted in what misogyny, you know, what patriarchy, all that stuff. That just the idea of like, oh, well, I, you know, she might be good, but I just, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back and listen to insert male rapper you've listened to a thousand times. You know what I'm saying? I so think it's like, because sometimes men equate women rapping with like, oh, she going to rap about getting men. She going to rap about her body. She going to rap about purses and bags and shoes. And it's like, and they, oh, I can't relate to that. But like, I don't yeah. relate to nothing that Two Chains be saying, but I still enjoy the music because it's it's art. It's an art form. I don't. It doesn't have to be true to me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the whole toxic masculinity thing, man. Like, it. And again, if it, it's kind of ties into that Netflix stock, the uh, the pleasure principles. It's just kind of educating men about women and even women about women. But, um, yeah, like I'm like, yo, man, check out that lotto. It was like, oh. I don't want to listen to that. All right, well, you're missing out, you know, Flo Millie, you know what I'm saying? Like, I haven't listened to it yet. I saved it on Instagram, but Dreezy has a new song produced by a hit boy, so I'm going to definitely check that out and, and share that because she's also another excellent uh, woman artist. Um, who, who else? There, there's a lot. There's a lot That's of them out Baby there. Tate. Baby Tate didn't make slut him out for y'all to be talking to her like that. Yes, shout out to Baby Tate. Uh, I think my favorite song from her is Freaky Girl. Actually, it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's, what is it, Young Tate now? What's she changing to? She's just Baby Tate now. Or Young Tate, yeah, sorry. No, Baby Tate, sorry. Baby Tate, yeah. Yeah, she's she's very talented, extremely talented. Um, just, again, I, I kind of wish, and I know there's like politics and, you know, artists and contracts, but I wish it was kind of like the old, old days where, you know, people just do like compilations or mixtapes. Like, I would love to hear, well, I know I'm about to get flamed up. They did recently do this, but they didn't do it in the well, way that I would have probably done it. But like, I would love for like the top artists to to get a hold of the 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 Baby Tates and the Flo Millies, just do tracks together. You know what I'm saying? Like, if Cardi B's never gonna put out a, a sophomore album, right? At least just you know do tracks and, and put the homies on. You know what I'm saying? Like, just for the look, kind of like with. Going back to Mark's point about the Grammys being being important as far as like with Silk Sonic, I'm gonna assume this is Anderson Pack's first Grammy, correct? If I had to guess, uh, I don't I'm, I'm not. I, you know, I want to say you look pretty excited. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't. I don't think that was just excitement that got him like that. But uh, yeah, cocaine. No. <laughs> I feel like you might have one working with Dr. Dre, but I I wouldn't be surprised if that was his first uh, Grammy. So kind of like with that like it's not sorry just the i was not, about, okay. his first grammy was in 2021 for lockdown oh, oh really? yeah. Yeah. best melodic rap performance huh oh actually i lied his first grammy for real for real was in 2019 for bubbling best rap performance what is that from that's that just a single that was just a single song. yeah it's like in a sprite commercial i think Okay, see, man, that's it's a good song, though. It's not a bad song, it's a great song, but it wasn't on an album. It's I just feel like they're better, like, it just that's just, anyways, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, anyways, like, album, uh, Grammy, too. We'll have to go into that. <laughs> okay, well, so the kind of like with Cardi B, that's a look, right? That gets you a lot more exposure, like, okay, cool, like, Cardi, if you're not gonna give us the, the sophomore album, like, just 
do singles with every up and coming, you know, I guess validated, legitimate female artist. Get them that exposure. Like it, it doesn't hurt you to do that. You know what I'm saying? Be, to be fair, to be fair, Cardi B did executive produced. I I that's I knew that's where you were going, but I'm saying like But no, but here's the thing. All those rappers that were on, all those women rappers that were on that project, it I, I don't know if it's a thing where it's like everything else that just everything that's new just comes and goes within a week and it's just gone. But I feel like nobody even talked about it when it came out. Like I was excited to hear because I wanted to hear a lot of these uh different um voices. Some of them I've heard, like a lot of them I've heard before, but there was a couple out of them that I hadn't heard of before. But it was just like there wasn't a big like, hey, let's get this thing going. Let's get like let's get the Cardi B battery behind this project so we can get like Rapsy's career. I feel like Rapsy's career is over. Like she was on that project and nothing. Like she's she might be done out here. She might I, be I, done. I, like I, 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 we we discussed that before, and again, that's probably not what she wants. But like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like that. That's cool, but like, yo, what about? Uh, I hate hate to do do this, but like, what go. about a a women's version of like Watch the Throne, something like that, where it's like, yo, we're fully locked in the best into this album. Like, being the executive producer on the album probably doesn't mean as much as we think it does. Um, I feel like Cardi B wasn't like on the boards and in every you know studio sesh, she probably just put her name on there for a check, which is you know efficient. But I'm saying like be locked in for a full project, promote it, get out there, do do the the the, the radio runs, do the podcast runs, like really put it out there. But then also to deliver a, a you know a a product, quality product. I'm not saying they don't, but that that comes with it too. You know what I'm saying? So that that was kind of kind of my, my thing with that, but yes, it to answer the question, I, I believe it is disrespectful to categorize outside of for award purposes uh, to separate the men and women because again, a lot of these women are out rapping a lot of these men, and it's just not talked about because a lot of men don't listen to women rappers. Also, a lot of women don't either. So that's that's another thing. But again, I know that it's a, a younger type of demo because again, back in the day, you only had two or three or four top tier or big name women rappers. Now you can have your own multiple playlists of whoever you like. Like everybody has their, their cup of tea for, for women artists or women rappers out there. So as times change, I think it will kind of evolve to that, but that that's going to take us really getting out there and, and preaching the gospel of like, Hey, let's, uh, let's uh, stop listening to the same, you know, walk a flock of flame album for, you know, two years and let's try something new. Like it doesn't hurt to, Try something new. You know what I'm saying? Real quick for you bozo women who be, oh, I don't listen to female rappers because all they do is shut up. <laughs> I think he's not gonna, not gonna want you just because you don't listen to Megan Thee Stallion. Shut up. Shut your mouth and listen to Flo Millie or something. Like, girl, you don't get no points in these niggas' books just because you don't listen to female. Just shut up. Listen to Key Glock and Peace. You don't have to keep telling us about it. No disrespect to Key Glock. You make great music. <laughs> I wouldn't know. But yeah. Um, <laughs> shout out to King Quest. He said he wants Cardi B to do a song with Shay Noir. Sorry, Shay Noir. Noir. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. But yes, I, I would like to go on the record and say I would like to hear some new Flo Millie music. She did put out a single a little while ago, but it, it didn't sound, it sounded a little too manufactured. And I, I kind of point that out. I think in the podcast, 
kind of like with uh, Stove God. When he's not rapping with Griselda, it, it doesn't sound right. It sounds too manufactured. So I, I kind of want Fomili to just do whatever Fomili was doing on Hawaii here. Like that, that's the, the flow million I, I want to hear. Like, I get it. You got to sell your soul to cross over, you know what I'm saying? Win a Grammy, you know what I'm saying? Put out those polished songs, but like, just give us bars. Like, just, just give us the bars. So, you know, it, honestly, sometimes it feels like it doesn't matter. Like, for women rappers, it's just sometimes you can be the best rapper, have the best bars. And it's just like, if you're not, if you're, if you weren't picked, you have to be, you have to be chosen. You know, you have to be one of the ones. And it's Which just like to be chosen means that you for a lot of it have to like diminish yourself behind the male rappers that bring you into the game. Um, like to be chosen is to be Nicki Minaj with a Lil Wayne coast cosign. Because I don't think Nicki without that cosign would have uh had uh I don't I'm not saying that she wouldn't have gotten the notoriety. I think Nicki gonna be Nicki regardless, but I don't think she would have had as easy of a time getting to where she is had she not been co-signed by Young Money, Lil Wayne specifically. Um, to be a woman that says, I don't care about male validation, I'm going to wear what I want to wear, whether I dress like Big Pun or I dress <laughs> like Megan Thee Stallion. Um, like, I don't think women who are outspoken about being who they're going to be have a lot harder time in rap than women who... Uh, have the male cosign immediately. Yes, for a fighter. A beast. All right. Shout out to Nicki Minaj. So, what we've all been waiting for, the the, the topic of, of the hour. I don't even think we're going to go to the next one because I don't listen to that artist, but we're, we're going to get into some, some stuff, uh, someone near and dear to Rev's heart. Uh, hopefully we don't get banned, but, but we're going to give it a run. Hey. Wow. Hey. Look at the production. <laughs> that was right. Hey. Oh, it's different. Get it shut down. Yes, Vince Staples drops Ramona Hart broke my heart. Great project. Shout out to Vince Staples. Let's give him a round of applause. Don't take the podcast down. Well, you know what? Again, I will. I will. You know, as the the one. Oh God! My <laughs> every episode, every episode, Joe Budden podcast. I I was shout to him. He 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 knows how to work a soundboard. That dude is a fucking pro with that shit. Like he's he's pretty good. I, I think it would be him and. Uh, I think it's one A one B. Him and Jesus Samaro. They work a soundboard. But I, I don't know how he – I think there's like a, a fair use thing you can do where as long as you don't play too much of something and you talk over it, I think you can get away with it. But, you know, Joe Budden was also signed to Spotify, and he's rich, and I am not. So um, we'll see what happens. If the feds, if the podcast gets shut down, you, you already know what happened. Vince Staples, we're fans. Um, we'll start a GoFundMe. Just don't, don't, don't shut us down. But anywho – what were you guys' initial thoughts on the, the album? 
it was great. I mean, I didn't really expect it to not be good though. Um, Fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I really activity. talked about this a little bit last week, um, where he was saying like this is wrapping up what he considers an anthology of just like tales from his time in Long Beach or his home. I don't want to say his time in Long Beach like he doesn't go back home, but like tales from uh, you know home and the things that were really critical in his formative years. Um, I think this wraps it up, and I think it wraps it up well. It feels more like a, I don't want to say it feels like a goodbye, but it does feel like a person who's like been in a place, struggled in a place, and been able to leave and like come back with a new perspective. Um, so if you compare something like Hell Can Wait to this project, like it's really easy to see the maturation as an artist and as a, a person. Uh, so I thought Ramona Park broke my heart was really good. It was sequenced really well. Apple Music for some reason played it on shuffle at first, Ooh. and I was like, wow, he put all the he put all the slower songs on the back half of the album. And then I happened to look up and was like, that. So I say all that to say, Apple Music, I hate you. <laughs> I wasn't happy with your decision to shuffle an album on the first listen. That shouldn't even be an option. Uh, but listening in its correct order. Um, he sequenced the album really well. I think it told a really great story. It was, it felt really cinematic. Um, I don't know if he thinks it, of things as like what they would look like visually, um, but I feel like a lot of his albums, all of his albums really lend really well to like visuals. So I'm excited to see what comes from these single or these songs on that front, but it's good from beginning to end. Easy listen. Um, nothing I would change, to be honest. Not even the little baby feature. So, yeah, uh, that that was the main thing that I wrote down is it was very sequenced. Um, well, like every song flowed to the next one, even the the skits and not yeah the skits interludes they all just flowed together. Uh, when Vince is rapping, he he kind of reminds me of like a Nas or one of the like uh, Andre Two Thousand when he comes to like telling us what's going on. Cause like you listen to him rapping, it's just like I can see what is happening. Like he's very clear about the picture that he's trying to paint, um, and the the production was great. Like it's like the production was like really kind of like smooth and like kind of like I don't want to say like elegant, but it was like it was a really smooth production. But then like you listen to the things that he's saying, like the content, it just doesn't, it doesn't match up ever. Like I I went back in the like the last couple of days, I've been listening to everything he's put out and that's kind of been his, his thing as far as like having the production, not matching the, uh, the content, but I, I really enjoyed this album. This is definitely, I would put it, I would say it's in his, it's in his top, this is tough. He's got a really strong discography. I, I'm I'm gonna say it's in his top three, but um, I really enjoyed it. It's definitely gonna be in the the top ten for this year. But uh, it was good to hear um, Vince doing this. I, I am very very curious to see where he goes uh, from here. If he's not gonna be uh, rapping about uh, where he's from, because that's. If you go back and listen to his his other projects, like he's really big on letting you know, like, hey, this is where I'm from. This is a hood I rep. This is what goes on here. These are the people that are from here. These are the people that I represent and the people that represent me. 
and this is who I am. And it's just kind of like, he's never really tried to like fit in. He's doing what he wants to do for the people that um, I think that uh, generally care about um, his music and what he does. I think that's why I'm so appreciative of him, of like his ability to credit all of the experiences that have him at his current place. Like, I don't think he ever sugarcoats what was going on with him. Like he'll share, I don't want to call him an open book because he doesn't consider himself an open book. And honestly, we outside of the music, like he's not going to tell us, you know, the, the dirty details of, you know, his life. But I do think that what he does decide to share, he does a really good job of, um, of talking about how important these people, these places, these experiences were and are to him. Um, it doesn't sound like a put on. It don't sound like a nigga who really wasn't doing nothing, but like knows a couple of niggas who was doing something. So he wrapped it from that perspective. Like it all sounds very honest, very authentic. Um, but I also realized that he doesn't glorify any of this stuff. Like he just mm-hmm. kind of presents it as a part of his story and um, something that he doesn't want to leave out. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a part of who he is. And it's like, I remember people were having, like, a debate about what is, oh, Lord. There was a debate about, um, like, what conscious rap is. And it's always like, oh, conscious rap is more uplifting and positive music. And it's like, well, conscious is, like, the stuff that is around you, like your own um, personal surroundings, personal life experiences. So it's like, essentially, every rapper that's rapping their truth is a conscious rapper, like, Sometimes it's gang violence and gun violence, but that's their truth. Like they're not, you can't discredit them and say it's not, you know, thought provoking or thoughtful just because it's perceived in a negative way. So, so it's interesting that you guys were saying like, you know, him rapping kind of his truth and telling his story. Uh, Rolling Stones did an article saying that Ramona Park broke my heart. They're saying it's almost his best record yet, and it kind of encapsulates what you guys were saying, saying that Vince Staples was first known as a gangster rapper, but what he actually is is a realist rapper. His music deals with violence in its most human form, ordinary, everyday, eclipsing the vibrant suns of his native Long Beach, California. Staples isn't about warmth. He's a deadpan, a sardonic, cerebral, laconic, and cold and serene. So, I mean, that kind of pretty much sums it up with kind of his style with his last two albums, like even though like his self-titled album is great, like the, the undertones is pretty depressing. Yeah. And I, I think it kind of ratchets up a little bit more on this. Cause I did see some people on Twitter say that this wasn't their vibe. And I get that. Like I can 100% understand that. So. I, that's a really good point. I was about to, it kind of ties into what I was about to say. Um, I think this album touched on love, at least from his perspective, a lot more than previous albums. Because um, he has a couple songs where I don't know if he's like, that's not my business, honestly, who he's talking to or, you know, that I don't care. But um, yes, I think he takes, I'm going to assume it's me. <laughs> it's me. Uh, <laughs> We've seen your tweets, man. We've seen them. <laughs> I would be mortified. These tweets. I would delete my account. Uh, um, but he spends a lot of time being like, I would love to be in love, but like, I don't really 
know if that's for me at this point in my life. And so like, I'll just, I'll take what I have. Um, he seems to be really connected to a particular person in his life or a person that was part of his life. Um, and so, but when you say like the vibes are kind of sad, when you listen to those songs in particular, where he's kind of spending time talking about love lost or love that is in a strange place at the moment, it is very sad to hear him say like, um, this person is gone for me. And like, I don't know if I'll ever have that opportunity again, but like, if I did, don't break my heart. Like rappers don't really touch on that stuff often. Um, or it's Drake, and it's not very good when he touches on romance. Um, oh, so bad. <laughs> so this was a really good, uh, I felt like, a, a pretty honest view into, you know, his feelings about love without being, you know, overly, without sharing too much of his life. That was something that I that I did come away from when I went back to it and listened to it again. I, like the, My very first note that I took was, has he rapped about women this much before? Like, it did seem like he was really... Expressing uh, um, an emotion that he didn't really talk about before when it came to uh, to uh, women and stuff, and um, like the the um, what's the song? The interlude with uh, what's it called? The spirit of uh, Monster Cody. Yeah, I went back and I, I, I after the second time I listened to it, I went and googled um, Cody Scott. And it like everything about him, it makes sense for him talking that way to be on this album. Like if you Google his past and what he's done throughout his life, it's like, okay, I get why Vince would have that man particular uh, on his album. W one thing I that I that kind of stands out for me when I listen to it is it's it's kind of rare to hear a rapper that is so involved in like the gang stuff and the gun talk and the west coast uh, lifestyle be so low-key compared to the likes of like the game and yg nwa tupac artists like that where they just seem more in your face about it and, and i don't i don't know what maybe it's a long beach thing because i mean snoop dogg at, at the time was pretty much in your face about it too like he made it a point to be like hey this is what i do this is how I'm living, and it was more like in your face. What were with Vince is more like just factual. Like this is this is just what it is. I'm not gonna like really try to shove it down your throat, but this is what's going on out here. And it, it's just kind of different to see it portrayed that way. To be so different, like he's just really laid back about it. Just this is what's going on in Long Beach, or this is what's going on in California, or whatever. One of my favorite interludes was Nameless, um, just because he's kind of shared those when they asked, like, "Have you ever shot somebody?" She was like, "That's what I. That's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> that's what they say." <laughs> the bullet ain't got no name on it. Like he said that before. Like he will, again. Like he's not an open book. He's not gonna tell you the nitty gritty. But like he has alluded to, like there may have been some violence. But like I don't. That's alleged. I don't know what they're talking about. I ain't never been a part of that, allegedly. Um, he, he He's one of the few people who does interludes, like, well. Sometimes interludes are just like, you know, the typical girl on the voicemail or um, something strange. But I think he does interludes in a way that kind of pushes the narrative or the album's narrative along. 
Um, and I've always appreciated that. Like on Big Fish Theory, there's a Ramona Park is Yankee Stadium, which I, is one of my favorite interludes from him. Um, it's just him kind of like mumbling a song. Uh, but when you sit and think about it, like the Yankee fitted, like will Yankee Stadium even know I existed? Like I'm wearing this hat. I'm going so hard behind this hat. And will this place that I've never even been to, will it even know I've ever existed if I if I don't make it out of all of this? Like he tells really good stories through his interludes, which is important. I don't think a, an album has to have 16 tracks of just go hard. Like he does it in a very relaxed tone. He gets the point across. He get in, he get out. Um, and you still walk away feeling like I heard a good piece of work. Yeah, uh, shout out to Vince Staples, though, but I, I did respectfully add him on Twitter a couple weeks ago, um, asking asking his team to respectfully to please um, please put some more merch on his site. Yes. Um, there, there's there's some for Ramona Harbro Marks that just came out, but, like, I wanted to get some uh, self-titled merch from his site, and uh, there. It goes quick. It is all sold out. Those kids, they I don't know where they're getting the money from. Like, I got a whole salaried position. And I'm like, hold on, Vince. Can you give me to the 15th? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it be gone. Them kids get that stuff quick. <laughs> well, and I think it kind of goes to the point, and you spoke about this last week as far as, like, how he approaches rap. He's not necessarily there for the, the fame, maybe more for the fortune, right? But – He's kind of like, hey, man, I sold out this merch. I, I probably hit my numbers. I'm good. It's not necessarily like a, a capitalistic perspective with it because any other artist would have this shit reloaded. You know what I'm saying? Like immediately. Let me get that. Let me get that next dollar. I'm curious. Like he's not trying to. He's not trying to do stadium tours. He's right. like opening up for bigger artists. And it's like you can. You're still like an opening act, and, and I mean, people kind of feel like, oh, well, you're you're better, you should be able to headline your own tour. But it's like, if I can get in front of more people by being an opening act for, I think he said he went on tour with some, not you two, who was it? Some he other went on tour with Tyler Creator. Or he yeah, he, he, just, he just did that, but he's done like other tours with other big name acts, like bigger acts than him. And it's like, why headline a tour when I can just get in front of, I can I can do a stadium, you know, that it, granted Tyler, the creator's name is on it, but I'm still here and I can still, you know, reach these people, reach a larger audience than if I were to tour uh, on my own. He's been very realistic from the jump of like where he perceives himself in rap. Like, I'll tell you in a minute, I'm going to sell my 5,000 albums and I'm going to go home. Like, I'm going to sell my yeah. t-shirts, I'm going to go on tour and I'm going to go home. Um, he had an interview interview with Ebro last year for his self-titled album um, where he was talking about not yet seeing himself in like that tier B of rappers, um, but also being like very careful to not spend too much time saying like what's good or bad because he feels like you know I, there's no reason for me to take food out your mouth when I can just work on what I got going on. Um, but I, I, I would like him to know like you are one of them. <laughs> you, you don't have to be humble about it. Yeah, going back and listening to uh, his his old discography, it's it's a tough one. He's got a lot of great albums out there, and I, I think a lot of people should go back and really listen to to some of the stuff he's saying and, and a lot of the sounds that he's experimenting with in production and stuff like that. Um, just to to go back to the album, 
there was a couple of songs where he wasn't rapping like immediately. Like there was a couple of songs where like the beat just kind of like would just play out for a little bit, like letting the song breathe for a little bit before he just jumped right in it into it. And I I, I appreciated it. That's that's something different. Like most of the time, the songs come on and people just get right to it. They're just like, I'm gonna start it's rapping like, right now. Rap before the song, if he rap before the beat even start. This nigga Blueface rapped three songs ago. Oh my just God. now yeah. beat coming on for the first time in the album. Like, exactly. And, rap, and it it's rap. kind of the old school way of making music where it's like you gotta let the beat be part of the experience. Like let let it build up, let it uh breathe a little bit, like let it be there, let people enjoy it and then kind of come in there with what you're doing. And it, it set it could set the stage, set a mood, set the scene. All those kinds of things. So that I, I did enjoy uh, hearing him uh, be quiet for like 15, 20 seconds when the song first starts. Like, there's some good production on here. It's like we should be able, to, we should be given a moment to sink into that. He also has a ton of songs <laughs> where like he'll repeat the hook over and over again. Specifically, uh, I think it's the blues, the final song on the album, um, where. He repeats the song. He will repeat the hook over and over again, and it kind of like to somebody who is that doesn't really listen to Vance, and that might have been their first ex, their first like foray into Vince Staples. It may feel kind of odd, but like in the storytelling sense of it, of like him repeating like "Money made me numb," "Pray for me," like like that kind of stuff, that kind of chanting almost. I don't want to call it chanting, but like that repetition um, is not only catchy, but like it really speaks to the subject matter of the song. I don't want to sound like a nerd and just like praise everything he does, but I think the album is really good. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what sounds like you're doing, but I, I get it. Like it's, it's 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 one of those though. Like he's one of those guys. He's in that conversation. Like it, it is what it is at this point. Like there's there's certain um, songs like Vince. This is Vince isn't trying to be like a mainstream guy. Like yeah. he's I, he's said before like I'm an underground rapper still, and that sounds kind of insane to me. Because I feel like he should be in that conversation with the top um, five rappers out right now. Like, I feel like he's good enough and he's had a consistent enough career to be put in that category where it's just like, you're just not an afterthought anymore. Like, you should be. And I think I said it last week. I was like, I want him to be in that conversation more than Vince wants to. Like, Vince doesn't care. He doesn't care if you mention his name with Kendrick or uh drake or j cole or anybody like that he, he's out here do his music hit his marks and be out of here and watch snowfall like that's all he wants to do so, <laughs> and live tweet it at that yeah that's why that's the only reason i don't follow him on twitter is because i'm behind on snowfall so i'm just like let me not follow him right now you know <laughs> I'll, I'll catch up with him when i catch up with the show so i got him i'm i wonder I do. You mentioned it a little bit earlier. Like, where does he go after this anthology is done? I do wonder what his music will sound like. I don't think he'll ever stop rapping about Long Beach, but I do wonder, like, what subject matter he'll experiment with next. Um, I honestly think he'll take some like a good chunk of time off. This is two albums in two years, um, so I think he'll he'll take a good chunk of time off and like work on his other creative pursuits. But I do wonder what. Yeah, the whole like the TV show thing. Yeah. If I had the if I had if I was his agent and I was like in charge of his career, I would tell him to take uh maybe like a year off, maybe a year or two off and getting like lock in with um 
mustard and kind of do the thing that uh, Nas and Hit Boy are doing with like Ken's King's disease. Like I feel like Vince Staples and mustard <clears throat> and mustard, if they were to get together in the studio, make like a six, seven song EP would be great. Like they, I feel like they can come up with, they could make that kind of magic, no pun intended in the studio together. I wish him and Mac Miller would have had more time together. Like, I'd be interested to see like Mac Miller now um, as a matured producer and then Vince Staples kind of coming back together and seeing what they could put together. Fair enough. So definitely, if you haven't checked out Vince Staples, Ramona Heart Broke My Heart, um, definitely check that out. Um, <clears throat> I think and I so I, I did have a, a, a friend that he hadn't really peeped Vince Staples. I don't necessarily think this would be the best entry point, I guess. Just like you were saying, you're kind of getting to the end of, uh, like you said, the anthology or series or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I would probably, I think self-titled would be a good starting point. You kind of get a lot of different vibes on there. It's a little bit more up-tempo-ish. I'd, right? go, I'd go FM. I'd go F because that was my next choice. It's so easy. It's like an easy, easy listen, and you you understand everything he's about in that yeah. short EP right there. Feels like summer still bangs. Yes, <laughs> just gets a lot of run on my my title app. Um, shout out to uh, Ty Dollar Sign. Man went crazy. It's always that. always nice hearing him. Yes, even in the winter time. Still feels like summer. <laughs> I will. I tweeted this. I think two chains would have slid on East uh, East Point Prayer. Like, little baby was straight, but I think yeah. two, two chains would have slid on that. I'm 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 team defund little baby features. Yeah, he had to get the little baby stimulus package, baby. Like, come on, bro. Like, that was I'm, a perfect song for baby. He love a good like melodic R and B rap song. I will. I'll, I'll give him credit. He did. He didn't come in with the same flow that he normally goes with. So I was. I was glad that he switched up in that in that area. And like even little baby, he dropped a song, uh, his own song on his own. And I was like, yeah, this song is good. Like little baby's a good rapper. I like listening to his music. I'm just tired of hearing him on everybody else's songs. <laughs> like do your own thing. Like I, I just, I, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I'm, I'm done with it, man. Like, please stop. And now you know you'll hear seven little baby features before the summer's over. With. So be prepared. <laughs> I'm surprised he's not on like the Sonic Two soundtrack. <sighs> Which side note? <laughs> side note. The uh, Sonic 2 movie. I took my kids to go see that great movie. I wish I, I would have saw the first one. God damn. Like, I felt like it was one part where I was like, man, I should have watched the first one. Like, what what Sonic is doing, they are building a cinematic universe better Please. than what better than what Zack Snyder was doing. I was like, this is incredible. Like, I need five more of these movies. Sonic came through and smashed a Michael Bay action film. Like, <laughs> it's a great movie. Like I found myself like very intrigued. It was interesting. Kept this my like attention. Jake Gyllenhaal led yes. Michael Bay action film, and Sonic was like, "Yeah." So, anyways, <laughs> any anywho, like they have like end they have end credit scenes teasing the next one, and it's like I don't want to spoil it, but it's just like I want to see the third one now based on that end credit. Like 
It's a great, it's a great movie. It's so good. I want to see I'm, the first I'm, one. Now. I'm still judgmental because <laughs> I, I I do enjoy a good run at Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, probably one of my most more played games as an up and coming Negro. Um, <laughs> if you That's if you want to be this was for the niggas. <laughs> if you, if you want to be entertained, uh, one thing that I, I would recommend is look up, just in general, if you play video games growing up, especially being that game seemed extremely hard as a, a youngster, look up speedruns. So I'm like, damn, I never beat Sonic X, Y, and Z. Let me watch the speedrun and see what happens at the end. Very interesting videos to see people run through a game I struggled with in like 25 <laughs> minutes or less, not dying a single time and like not even touching the ground. I'm like, this is incredible. Now I'm intrigued. I didn't want to see it. I, I oh man, I might. It's watch a good it movie, man. Like, honestly, there's some, you know, kid parts where it's just like, okay, well, this is obviously a kid's movie, but <laughs> like, I'll, I'll say this. So remember like the beginning of Infinity War where like they introduced Thanos and he's just like, yo, I'm coming through. I'm talking my shit and I want what you have and I'm going to take it from you and I'm going to establish my dominance at the beginning of this movie. They did that same thing in Sonic with Knuckles. Like Knuckles shows up and he starts kicking ass and establishes like, yo, I'm that dude. I'm that guy and I'm going to come in here and take what I want and you're not going to be able to stop me. And I will, and, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm locked in. Like this ain't just... No regular movie like they they put some time and effort into this. So, is it Idris Elba Knuckles? Yes, he is. I'll be shout, there. shout to Stringer Bell. Um, I, <laughs> I I'll put it on the list before we get to the next topic. Uh, let's see. So, side note, I did rewatch uh, No Way Home and Far From Home, and just since we're randomly on movies, uh. Yeah, Zendaya's character, MJ, from the second one to the third one, two completely different characters, which is really weird because the movies happen, like, chronologically, like, a minute apart. And, like, she went from, like, nerdy, awkward, kind of dusty looking to Zendaya. Like, she's just she's just Zendaya. <laughs> Makeup looks good. Hair looks good. She's smiling. She's laughing. Like, all right. That's, that's cool. Um... And then uh, No Way Home, rewatching it, I think it was still pretty good. I don't know if it lives up to the top five Marvel hype. Um, it's still it's still pretty good. I feel like if you haven't seen the other movies, you don't understand like the context. It's not as good, so I don't know if it's good from if it's only good if you like from the fan service perspective. But it, it's pretty good. Um, as far as fan service, it definitely is like number one in that. But as far as like movies, it might not even be top ten. Yeah, that. Yeah, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And again, uh, I'm on my second simultaneous rewatch The Wire. Um, I'm on season four now. Like, I watched it, and then I tricked my wife into watching it. So I've, I'm essentially watching it back to back. And this might be a, a hot take, and this is a, a, a gross departure from my original take, but season two might be my favorite season now, rewatching it. I hate season two for some reason. I think people just don't like storytelling. Like, 
I'd be seeing people watch Snowfall. Now, granted, Snowfall has had some ridiculous moments this season. So, quick, 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 quick pause. I've not seen a single minute of that show. So it's I, I might watch it one day. So it's I, I, I heard about the Tiger it. thing, but yeah. Okay, so there's weird things that happen in season five. But I don't think that people enjoy, like, stories that are kind of slow builds. And season two was one of those uh, – season two of The Wire was one of those seasons where, like, you needed anything – there was a lot of context – well, not context. There's a lot of world building in season two that you need to be able to enjoy two, uh, uh, three, four, five. Um, but you have to be willing to sit through the storytelling of season two. I think outside of like the first two episodes, it's not that slow. I think like the first two are kind of slow. That's what the wife says. She's like, what's going on? And then once it starts to build up, once you get the body, she's like, okay, I get it. And then, but the same thought we, we had was like the show probably could have ended after season three. Like they probably could have buttoned it up. Like with the, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but with the events that took place at the end of season three, that kind of buttoned up that whole little story arc. The last two seasons were, kind of unnecessary right like season five now that i really look at it, it was kind of corny with how they how they did the whole the whole thing with the thing but yeah mcnulty was kind of wilding freeman was kind of wilding i'm like all right man this is y'all are doing a lot y'all are doing a lot and then with the whole um yeah they could have ended after season three that's kind of my 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 take with that but it's hard they, to shows man <laughs> it's hard to, to end a show it it is, but yeah, you're right. So I, I guess the reason why I like season two so much is uh, I think Frank Sabaka's character is probably one of the better cast characters on the show. I think him and Weebay are probably the best characters on the show by far. Shout out to Weebay. Shout out to Naaman. Shout out to Nay. But anywho, we we dove, dove down a the wire rabbit hole. Um, but the overarching theme of the show, I, I still haven't listened to any of the podcast done any research post-show, but the overall arching theme of the show is that the more things change, the more they stay the same. That's that's the, the theme that I got after watching it for the almost the third time. So, anywho, what do we got left? What do we have left? Do you want to talk Jack Harlow? I'm not going to lie. I know he's from Kentucky, which is weird, but that's about all I know about Jack Harlow. Oh, I have something to say. I, I saw a tweet that said Jack Harlow is the what is that ridiculous looking white uh, adult film star woman lady with the big nose Sarah J yes oh. they said that Jack Harlow is the Sarah J for women All right, he not that ugly but <laughs> but <That's> nasty <laughs> he is very regular like I need the girls to know if you go stand outside of your local bash pro shop a Jack Harlow will show up within 45 minutes he's very regular He's very regular, my friends. Like that, he looks like a stock boy at the Kroger. He's not that fine, y'all. <laughs> something, something is going on with him. I don't know. Like he's he's getting like he's getting a lot of placements that I'm very curious about. Where it's just like, how how did you get a Lil Wayne feature? Why are you in the same room as Kanye West? Like, why are you in that room? Why are you in the studio with Kanye West? Why is Kanye West saying that's your top five? Why are you interesting music? Like why, why are you like a movie? one Jack Harlow song from the next? Yeah, like why are you next to why are you next to Drake? Why do why are you in being cast for movies? Why do you have your own KFC like 
thing. Like, it, and it, it's not more, it's not just Jack Harlow. Like, Sweetie's kind of in that same realm where it's just like the music isn't oh. really adding up to the endorsements that you're oh. getting. I'm so sorry. We, if we dial it back to that conversation about female rap, put, put Sweetie in the female rap category by herself. <laughs> <laughs> she goes there. Um, <laughs> she's, getting, she's getting better. She's getting better. <laughs> So I better if I make a layup on a Fisher Price hoop, like sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I saw people making the the uh, the, the comparison. Did y'all see that clip of uh, Gunner and Future on SNL doing push and pee? That's a that's uh, yeah, that was man. Yeah, that they were saying like, hey well. man, we we roasted Sweetie for you know rapping at a fair or something like that on some sort of slave auction looking stage. So we got to keep that same energy. Like that performance is trash. But it's whole... not that she can't perform because I do think she's an okay performer. It's that what she performs is so bad. Oh yeah, the one where she was, where she was twerking or whatever, and like the meat wasn't moving. That was confusing. Um... <laughs> you sound distressed. I just think this sweetie. She's beautiful, and I think she is like one of the best, if not the best, influencers. Like. I yes. can see why she is tied to products because she's really good at selling a product, but she cannot rap to save her life. <laughs> Rapping is not a thing that she needs it's to be not, doing anymore. I was telling that's why I told you, Marcus. I was like, if you are insert young lady rapper from the Bay Area, like if you find enough, you can really do anything. She's sitting in rooms with Damson Idris. How? Because she's fine. That's how. It's not because she's talented. <laughs> Her agent, her agent is really good. Like her and Jack, like I feel the same way about Jack Harlow. Just like I like his music, but it's not like, oh well, you you have ascended to a place where Kanye West should be calling you to the studio, or you should be on a song with Lil Wayne and the Baby. Like I, you're not that guy. You, you're not making that kind of music. I don't I don't know if you're making that big of a of an impact or wave to be like, hey, KFC. Let's, I mean, well, he is from Kentucky, so I guess that makes sense. I but. that idea from us, but yeah. I ain't going to talk about that. I got beef with KFC forever for what they did, but. Yikes. I don't, I don't want eat to I don't eat I don't want this, anyway. I don't want this link back to my, my day job because I got a <laughs> rent, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, there's there's something going on with Jack Harlow and Sweetie for, for that matter. Like, they're, get, they're getting into these spaces where I'm just like, man. We have the music to back that up too, either. So Weedy is so Weedy is a hustler. That's how she ends up in her rooms. Jack Harlow is in those rooms because he's white. <laughs> in the world, Mrs. Mac Miller. That's how. <laughs> that may be. That may be. Like I listened to the single that he put out, and I'm just like, all right. Yeah, I think it was produced by Hit Boy too. So that's probably the only reason I would check it out. But and he's yeah. like marginally funny on TikTok, but like Lil Nas X is funny. Call that nigga. At least he's talented. <laughs> All right. So that was a great uh, deep dive on Jack Harlow, a rapper that I've never listened to. I put him on the list, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pressed. I feel like he's probably not a better rapper than Logic, so I'm not gonna even not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Not even in the same area. To a ton of logic. I think Logic is an okay rapper. Not really yeah. not say okay. He's a he's a good rapper. And like I said, I can't tell one Jack Harlow song from the next. So I think he's a he, logic is a great, great rapper and a good producer. He's a good producer. He he pays too much homage to Kanye West, though. Like that's his his father. Like he yeah. 
Anywho, it's like he a little bit black. Oh man, man, I've been so on on the black thing real quick. You know, this is the racist podcast. <laughs> have you ever have either of you ever heard of a book by you know who Randall Kennedy is? Mm, no, but it sounds like their family owns slaves. No, so he's actually a black uh, Harvard law professor, and he wrote a book called Nigger. Oh. Um, it's actually a really good book. Highly recommend you check it out. Um, very controversial from the title, yes. But uh, he, he makes some very interesting arguments. But even Is it about black people saying the word? It's about everybody saying the word. Oh, that sucks though, because like I'd be getting people's point. Like I truly, I don't disagree, but like I like saying nigger guys. <laughs> oh no! So the his controversial take is that he feels like the word shouldn't be censored at all. Mm. Yeah, that's a hot take. It is, but he has some he has some interesting points. He backs it up with some like uh, some legal cases or whatever. Like there's some people that he would describe as like uh, what do you call it? They want to eradicate it completely. So pretty much saying it's black or white. Either we have the word or we don't. And if we don't have the word, everything that is tied to that word is gone. You know how terrible the world the world would be without the word, that word. See, I'm falling into the trap. But think about all the your favorite songs, movies, dialogues, some video games. Down for my niggas. I love that song. Exactly. Okay. That's gone. Thanos snapped away. <laughs> so he, he kind of makes an interesting point. But another book that I finished reading, I think that would that you would be interested in. Uh, oh damn! Oh, in the ignore the title, but I guess the space that you work in, I feel like you could really relate to this. Also, uh, black women, you could relate to this. Men, you could too if you just substitute yourself in it. But it's a book called "Confessions from Your Token Black Colleague" by Talisha Laverie. Very interesting book. Um, I use Audible, so I didn't actually read it, but whatever, I got the knowledge. This is a short, short listen. It's only like six hours, something like that. Man, she was saying some stuff in that book. I'm like, damn, that's me. <laughs> like, yo, dog, they, be trying, they be trying to get you at work, dog. I'm like, damn, dog, like, this makes sense. So I'm about to they go love to asking you the black people. question. Whatever happened that was in black news over the weekend, they love to be like, so how do you feel about it? Yo, so the they would they be they be tripping on her like she would do stuff like correctly and they'd be like, Oh, that's wrong, or oh, you're stupid, or they'd be gaslighting her at work all day. It'd be like, Oh, you know, you're fired. It's just like, what did I do? She's like, Oh, you're not good enough for the company. It's like, I came in here, I wasn't trained, I set up my own account, I made my own contacts, I started doing work without y'all telling me to y'all fired me. Yeah, it's a great, great story. Don't know how we got there, but um, Disney getting rid of violence in their content. Sure. Why not? I I really didn't know we were gonna do every topic that I put in there. <laughs> I thought it was I mean, more like I thought it was like a running list, like hey, if we need something to talk about, we'll put it in there. But so uh, I, behind yeah. the scenes we have a, a, a shared <laughs> notes for the podcast. So whatever notes on there are topics that we are going to talk about. So if you do not want to talk about them, deep. <laughs> Well, I didn't know we were going to talk about the entire episode, but like, so. I mean, we don't have to go deep. I just was going, I'm trying to get to the last topic, which is what I want to talk about. Okay. Well, I'm kind of uh, annoyed at what I guess Disney is doing, like as far as 
some of their content. Like I feel like at some point, uh, Disney Plus is going to have to start putting some more adult content. Not like you know mature stuff, but closer to the PG thirteen that we got from the Batman. Like that movie's PG thirteen, and it felt very close to R rated. So it's like if Disney Plus is going back and like scrubbing stuff from like Daredevil and Luke Cage, and it's just like, what was the, what was the point of bringing that stuff over if you're just going to water it down? And if that's what they're going to start doing, I'm I I as a fan of like Daredevil and Blade and all the and the Punisher, like do not bring the Punisher over here if you're going to do that with it. Don't bring Daredevil. Don't like I'm not I'm like I'm going to watch. Obviously, I'm going to go see Blade. Obviously, I'm going to watch the content that they put out there, but I'm going to go in there skeptical and I'm going to be judgmental if they give me a PG, a Disney PG-13 version of the Punisher and Daredevil and all these other characters that are supposed to be a little bit more on the edge. Like, I'm not saying like I need to see Deadpool chop some dude's head off, but I would like for them to push the content and push the envelope a little bit, like take take me a little bit closer to the edge the way the Batman did. Like I, I remember sitting in the theater for the Batman and being like, what what is this rated? Is this rated PG thirteen or is this rated R? Like I there was a there was a couple of moments where I was like, how did this get in here? And I've never had that in a Marvel movie where I had to question like, wow, they're kinda they're kinda going far. They're kind of pushing the envelope like this is going, they're getting close to the edge here. Like just at some point you have to kind of like your fans are getting older. And it's like, are we going to, as a company, are you going to cater to children for the rest of your your runtime here? Or at some point, are you going to realize, like, hey, our fans, like, the core group of our fans are in their 30s, and they're the ones spending the money. So we kind of need to give them something, like cater to them at, at some point with some of this content. I just feel like that's real lame. Like, I agree. <laughs> I don't really have like a deep dive into it. I just think it's I, it's lame considering I don't want to say that because I feel like it's disrespectful to that child's family. But it's just lame considering some of the stuff that goes on on their properties. Like um, or some of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes of like their children's shows. Like, Oh yeah. Know, they, the real Dickies. Yeah you can't take like it's just odd to take a stance on like minor violence in Luke Cage, but not, you know, very major violence on the sets of your productions or like, you know, it's a strange, and like just as a a property in general, like Disney owns so much other stuff, like why why this? Yeah, again, I've, I've said this on Twitter, stop being cowards, Disney, give us songs to the South unedited, give us Dumbo unedited, and give us heavyweights. Like, stop being cowards. Like we we want we want the filth, we want the filth. Anywho, the final topic and the one thing that and we gotta do a super deep dive. But I, I so the Masters was this week, uh, being uh, Augustonian. That is kind of the 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 thing that Augusta is known for, outside of like James Brown and now probably like crime, but and being the other city in Georgia because everybody from Georgia is from Atlanta apparently, but. <clears throat> You niggas is from Statesboro, Georgia. It's a lot of y'all from Bullock County. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag that ain't Atlanta or you ain't Atlanta or whatever. Um, but yeah, so two things. So 
the NBA has a better secession plan post LeBron James. I don't think it's by their own making. I think they just happen to luck out with these European stars and just people generally being great at basketball. Um, but like golf, they have not been able to create a star outside of Tiger Woods. Like Tiger Woods is crippled. He's got kids. He's like 50 years old. And he is still the huge, the biggest draw for the Masters and for golf in general. Doesn't matter what where he places at, where he finishes at. Like they're still selling the story of oh, Tiger Woods could pass Phil Nicholson's record, which would be cool. But I mean, at, at this point, he's made a gazillion dollars. He's pretty much broken almost every record you can break, right? But like the the fact that ESPN hasn't like created a new star, there hasn't been anybody to come up and fill that role, is is kind of sad. Just just from a, a storytelling perspective, because that's what they do on those networks. The other part is, did you guys happen to see that uh, Schoolboy Q Masters Nike commercial? No, I didn't. Yes. But I, you know he loves golf. Let me go look at it really quick. Yeah, well, I'm. I I can send it to you. I can send it to you if you if you don't find it before I send it to you. Let me know. Because we need we need to have a quick a quick talk real quick. Oh my god. Where's this shit at? All right. Is this one with Tiger Woods in it? Uh I'm gonna ask you. Okay. All right. Um, while she does that, we will talk. Okay. I will say to your point about golf not having a, a star. Um it's I think I think, and I don't know everything. But I think that it is because golf ha- is such a, like a high barrier to entry. Like kids in the hood not just going to go golf. Like it's you gotta. It's not accessible. So it'll be a while before golf, if ever, before golf is like young and fun again. The way that like the NFL and like the NBA is able to be young and fun because it's not hard to go and be part of a, a inner city football league or basketball league. But like you'll be hard pressed to find. Access so, so, but that 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 was the and I sent you the thing. So that was the the thing that Tiger Woods was supposed to kind of break those barriers. Like he was supposed to, he was you know out there trying to reach out or quote unquote reach out to the urban community and getting those guys interested in golf. Like it's crazy that he's essentially the Michael Jordan of golf, but doesn't have the same effect that Michael Jordan had on basketball, or even say like a Steph Curry. Like we can all see that Steph Curry has ruined the game of basketball. You can watch any YouTube clip of high schoolers. You can go play any pickup game of basketball. And there's kids that have no business jacking up the ball from places that have no business jacking the ball up for, for no reason. Just shooting it up, just being like Steph Curry, trying to be like Steph Curry. But like, again, I, ideally, again, Tiger Woods, being that he's the Michael Jordan equivalent of that sport, you would figure that every, you know, black kid would be trying to beat down the doors and play golf, which that that just never materialized like that. Maybe now that schoolboy's in a commercial, you know. <clears throat> okay, you- so, so did you finish the commercial? Yeah. Okay. What stood out to you about that commercial? Well, one... Schoolboy looks like a dad. <laughs> hey, he, he finally. To, I'm not saying that he never did, but he just looks like a father. Um, I don't know. I to me, it just felt kind of. I know that he has some ties to golf and he really loves golf, but it felt like Nike's like a, a desperate attempt to like make the game urban. Um, 
So yeah. And also I didn't I don't remember seeing any little black girls in the back of that. So Okay. So did you uh did you ever watch the uh HBO Tiger documentary? Uh, no, pretty sure I didn't. I highly recommend it. It's very entertaining. Tiger, Tiger is what the the kids call a freak bull. Um, ah, he's, yeah. He's a uh, yeah. He left his mark all over Vegas and the local Piccadillys. But you'll you'll figure you'll find out about this. It might have been a Piccadillys. It might have been a one of those weird breakfast restaurants. But anywho. So the the way that like we were talking about the way that Nike was trying to brand Tiger Woods is the you know pretty much trying to make him like the Rosa Parks of golf, right? Because I mean, people may not know that hey, you know the you know the South is a little little racy, little racist down there, right? Specifically Augusta, you know the the Masters is called the Masters. Uh, they didn't have a woman member until Condoleezza Rice, I think, which was. I think into the 2000s or something like that. It's literally a plantation. <laughs> yeah, and then they're saying like there might be slaves buried under the ground. There, there's a lot of things going on with, with that place. So they try to kind of make him like the, the 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 Rosa Parks, like I just said. However, a AP article written in April 22nd, 1997 says when Tiger Woods was asked in school to check one box that best describes his backgrounds, he couldn't settle on one, perhaps because there wasn't a box for Cablinasian. That's the word that best describes a background, a blend of Caucasian, Black, Indian, Asian, the 21-year-old golf star said on the Oprah Winfrey show. Woods described as the first Black Master Championship said it bothered him when people called him African-American. It does, he said Monday during his taping in Chicago, Growing up, I came up with this name, um, Cablination. Yeah, I mean, you know how that go. Got a I'm little just, to your You I'm didn't just, the game. <laughs> I'm like, fam, like, I, I feel like there's a whole generation of people that don't know about the whole Cablination thing. As Nike, 20 years later, is still trying to sell Tiger Woods, this guy that's broken out all these barriers and got all these black kids interested in golf. It never happened. I was it's not going to happen. The proof Stop of lies. You can't. He doesn't. He doesn't identify with being African American, and I feel like children wouldn't like identify with him being African American. Like, like you said, it's the proof is in the pudding. Have there been any black superstars or really any black golfers that are getting propped up since Tiger Woods? Like, he's once he stops golfing, there will be a gap, and I don't think it'll be filled not anytime soon. Yeah, it, but the, the other thing that kind of bothers me is like they get again ties damn full circle back to what I was talking about earlier. How in advertising and marketing they sell hip hop. Yeah. You have Schoolboy Q, shout out to him for getting the bag, doing a Nike golf commercial about a guy that doesn't even consider himself black, trying to sell us, you know, the, the black experience and the things that he did for the game of golf. Yeah. And that 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 troubled me and, and my friends. I feel like that's a thing that I we're always well I'm always contending at work is like at some point you're gonna have to recognize that like we say all the time that black people move the culture forward and to your point hip-hop the more mainstream it becomes the more it's used to push things that hip-hop would not normally be involved in um like it's commercial now. It's easy to to throw a, a a you know something bass heavy behind you know a Nike commercial, because 
to them, that's what's white kids are going to identify just as much as black kids. Um, but there is no real investment in black people. Again, when like a guy who don't even consider himself black, I'm sure he's not listening to no hip hop on a regular basis. Does he even know who Schoolboy Q is? <laughs> Has anybody at Nike heard any Schoolboy Q lyrics? Because I feel like <laughs> if they did, they'd probably be like, hey, you know what? No. We're going to get logic out here and do this Nike commercial because he's closer to a Cablin Asian than you know you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just is wild. Again, shout out to him for getting the bag, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they, yeah. There's always a rush to find like who hasn't been in another advertisement, who's cool, who's got something coming up because Schoolboy does have a project coming up. So, like, how can we tie this all in to our ultimate goal of selling Nike golf gloves? Oh, Schoolboy Q likes golf and he's hot right now and he's got something coming out. Let's get him. <laughs> crazy. Crazy, crazy. It could have been literally anybody. If Flo Millie liked golf, she would have been in the commercial. <laughs> well, she was already twerking in front of a uh, Confederate statue. So that, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Beast. Oh my goodness. Shout out to Beast by Trey. <sighs> Representation. Somebody in the room should have been like, hey, this is not the greatest, greatest I, I, idea. But again, shout out to her for collecting the bag. Again, Marcus said he will don a MAGA hat if they give us the bag for the podcast. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. yeah, you're right. That's nice. <laughs> Cut the check. Cut the check. I'm waiting. Oh, my God. <sighs> well... It's been real. It's been fun. Uh, we have eclipsed the two-hour mark. That's uh, you know, a round of applause for, for myself. I've pushed the culture forward. I've, I've done what I had to do. And uh, I think we got off a solid episode, so definitely check us out on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Drop Review. Again, uh, shouts to all the gamers out there, all the Instagrammers. We, we gang gang. I think I'm at 374 followers-wise, so you know, the growth is still happening. Shout out to the scammers on there. They're trying to scam me with uh, graphics. Um, shout out to all the scammers out there trying to scam me with shoes and my DMs. Um, it's a, it's just a real wild, wild rest out there on Instagram. So definitely appreciate y'all. You guys got any shout outs? Um, shout out to the Atlanta Wine Festival. Um, it should not be legal to consume that much alcohol in a four-hour time span. I don't know how you all pull it off, but wow, you did it. <laughs> It was wild. <laughs> it was wild. I didn't like it's not a wine tasting. They just will pour entire glasses of wine for you from 1 p.m. until 4:30. I what a strange place, but it was very fun. So shout out to the Atlanta Wild uh, Wine Festival. <laughs> uh just uh I guess shout out to Everybody that released music last weekend because I did not listen to it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be a week behind come Friday listening to everything that I didn't listen to because I was too busy Shout listening to Vince Staples. For treat me. I don't know what the song is about, but you're very pretty. <laughs> uh shout out to uh, El Chapa, shout out to Tech Masai who's um in Atlanta doing OnlyFans videos to make money. Oh, yeah. He might have been at the ATL Orgy 2022. Hey. I think that's the word in the streets. So, um, shout out to him. Hopefully, he didn't catch anything that he can't, you know, put back in the water if, if you get my drift. But, oh, anyways, <laughs> appreciate y'all. We out. <laughs>
Peace. I am tired. <laughs>